lesson from the potter's wheel is that the clay can not mold itself. God sent Jeremiah to the potter's house and told Jeremiah to watch and learn. It's amazing the things that God will teach us through ordinary moments in life if we will pay attention. What was the lesson of the potter? Or maybe the question is, what was the lesson of the clay? Listen in to find out as Pastor Joplin preaches from the 18th chapter of Jeremiah, The Potter and the Clay. A couple quick observations before getting to the main text this morning. It's interesting that God told Jeremiah to go to the potter's house to observe the potter and his work and that there God would speak to Jeremiah. One of the lessons that we learn, and you can find it elsewhere in Scripture, but it's, it's unmistakably clear here, is that God at times speaks to us through the everyday activities of life. Now, God will never speak anything that doesn't line up with His Word. I've seen some people think they're getting signs from the craziest things, and it's just, just like, well, there's no way that's possible because God's Word says otherwise. But that does not change the fact God does speak to us through the ordinary activities of our daily lives if we are willing to listen. If our hearts are open, if spiritually we're in tune, God has a way of speaking His Word to us through the nature that He has created, through the world around us, through the activities that we see and witness. And God does this very thing with Jeremiah when He sends him to the potter's house. Now, at the potter's house, God gives Jeremiah some instructions that apply to nations, and God used the word kingdoms. God says, what I'm showing you right now, it has direct um, you know, implication on the nation as a whole. And what God says is, when I tell a nation that if it acts a certain way, I'm going to punish it, if that nation repents, I will hold back my punishment. You know, we see God do this with Nineveh. Remember, God sent Jonah to Nineveh to proclaim to Nineveh that in 40 days it was going to be overthrown. You might know the story of Jonah. Jonah fights God on that for a little bit. Jonah's attitude is, I want him to be overthrown. But eventually God wins, gets Jonah where Jonah's supposed to be. Jonah preaches that judgment's coming. But the people of Nineveh, they say, woe is us. And they repent in sackcloth and ashes, and the whole city turns, and God holds back his wrath. God also warns Israel as a nation that when I say that I'm going to do good, when I promise to bless, when I promise that I'm going to show you my favor, if afterwards you go and do evil and live wickedly, I can hold back the good that I promised I was going to do. Now, the message is to the entire nation. Here's what I want you to see this morning. The application is to the individual. A nation can't just decide it's going to repent. Repentance happens one person at a time. One husband at a time, one wife at a time, one family at a time, one community at a time. That's how repentance happens. In fact, When you look at the wording of verse 11, uh, the answer is return every one from his evil way. 
And so we see the application is individual. God's warning the entire nation, disaster is going to come if you don't repent, but the application is to each individual. The same thing is true today, that repentance happens one person at a time, community change happens one person at a time, family change starts with one person, it is individual. We all have a responsibility to be responding to the Word of God as individuals. Now, God sends Jeremiah here, and he says, I want you to observe some things. And I want us to look this morning at three things that we can observe from Jeremiah's trip to the potter's house. Number one, note that the clay becomes nothing without the potter. The clay is incapable of forming itself. So the clay is nothing but worthless clay when it is not in the potter's hands. In fact, one of the things that's interesting about the potter, especially in this time, right? Now, if you're a potter, you can purchase clay. You can go down to the pottery store, wherever that might be. I'm not a, you would be surprised to know I'm not an avid potter. But those that are, you can purchase it. But in this era of time, you actually had to go get your own clay. You had to know where it was. And sometimes you would even have to go and find it. And when you would get it, you would need to mix other materials with it to really make it the right type of clay to be formed. And so the potter would go. Here's the first thing I want you to see, the symbolism here of how God changes our lives. The potter would go and find the clay. The clay didn't just walk into the potter's house and say, here I am, make me into something special. And the reality is the exact same thing is true, brothers and sisters, about our relationship with God. God comes to where we are, he reaches his hand down to where we are, and he picks us up out of the mess of life that we are in and begins working on our lives. The clay cannot become anything without the potter. Not only does the potter find the clay, one of the things that would often happen is there would be a, a waiting room where this clay would be placed so that it could dry out a little bit. Often when you would get it, whether they added water to it to make sure that it, would, you know, it could get to where it needed to go, often it would sit in this room and it would dry until it would kind of become usable. I remember when I very first got saved, I knew, I knew that I knew that I knew God had a plan for my life. But I didn't really know what it was. I didn't know what it would look like. I didn't know that I would eventually be a pastor like I am today. I just knew that God had reached down and pulled me up out of the muck and mire of a life that I was in, and I knew that I was saved. I knew that I belonged to God, but it sure did feel like for a long time I was in the waiting room, just drying out. And this is, it's, a, it's a strange place to be when you know that God has a call on your life, you know that God has something special he wants to do with you, but you don't know what it is just yet. It's in those moments we must trust God with God's process and know that there's some things God is either waiting on or doing to get us to the place that he can put us on the potter's wheel. 
Eventually, the clay is moved to the wheel. Now, the most important quality for the clay to be used, it must be pliable in the hands of the potter. And until the clay yields to the hand of the potter, it is not usable. I'll say it again, the clay cannot mold itself. There are no real self-made Christians. There are people who act like it, people who think they are, people, you know, they've got it all in control. But here's the truth about God's church, God's creation. The lesson from the potter's wheel is that the clay cannot mold itself. We must have the hands of God on our life forming us into the creation that God desires and designed us to be. Last thing I'll tell you, no, it's not the last thing I'll tell you about the clay. A couple more things. The most important place for the clay to be is in the center of the wheel. If that clay gets anywhere off center, once the wheel starts spinning, it throws it out of whack. The clay needs to be dead center on that potter's wheel. The potter's wheel was really, it was two wheels, one at the bottom, kind of like uh, the shape of a plate, if you will, that was attached to a wheel at the top. And the potter would sit there and spin it with his feet, the bottom one, and it would take the top wheel and make it spin. And as it spun, he would work on the art. The most important part of placement for that clay was that it be in the center of God's will. Now listen to me this morning, Christian. God will do his work faster and best when you are in the center of God's will. When we try to live a little bit off center, when we try to live with one foot in and one foot out, when we're like, you know, 80% of my life, I'm willing to let be here in the middle of, of the potter's wheel, right where God wants me to be, but there's another part of my life that I'm not quite willing to let be centered here. What you will find is that as that wheel spins and God is working to shape your life, it is always out of shape. We must be willing to embrace God's will being center in our life above all else. And if you're not willing to do it, if you're not willing to be centered upon God and, and live your life to be in the center of God's will, what you're going to find is that your spiritual life, it's always out of shape. Something doesn't form correctly. After the vessel is formed, it's placed in the fire. When I was in high school, uh, one of the sections of art class was a section on pottery. And after I finished my first, I think it was a cup actually, I learned that it couldn't hold water. <laughs> 
even though it was done, even though it was dry, that it had to dry and then it had to go through the furnace. And that there's this process of firing the clay that makes it usable. You know, there's two things I see that are symbolic to the Christian life. First of all, the forming of the clay. There's pressure. You're going to find that when God is forming you into the man or the woman that he has desired you to be, that he has designed you to be, you're going to find there's pressure a lot of times. It doesn't always feel good. The reality is some of the most important moments of my Christian life where God shaped me in some of the most significant ways, it was during times of pressure. And you've got to be willing to embrace it and realize God's doing a work. You can't jump off the wheel every time it gets hard. You can't run away every time God's trying to do a work in your life. Sometimes it takes that pressure. But even after the pressure, after it feels like we have finally taken shape, we see God takes us through the fire. And it's through the fire that we become usable. The second thing I want you to note is that the clay finds its purpose in the potter. The clay finds its purpose in the potter. You know, the potter is an actual person. It's not a concept. It's not a theological idea. It's a real person. And the reality is, I think it'd be good for us Christians to be reminded that our God is a real person. That he is a real being with physical presence. And we belong to him. Our purpose is in him. We find our ultimate purpose for being in him. The potter has power to form the clay. You need to know this morning that it does not matter how far you are from God. It does not matter how messed up your life is. It doesn't matter how, what is wrong in your life or anybody else's for that matter. God has the power to take the clay and form it into something beautiful. Some of us get to feeling like, you know, we've done so much wrong. We have gone so far from God. Our lives are so messed up. God could never do anything great with me. That is an absolute lie from the pits of hell. And so long as you have breath in your lungs, a heart beating in your chest, you need to know that if you can get into the center of the potter's wheel, if you'll allow God to take his hands and begin doing his work in your life, he has the power to completely and totally change your life. You know, I've watched even Christians fall into this, uh, this false mindset that somehow God, you know, they've missed God's best. They know they're saved. They know they're going to heaven. But they feel like, you know, I've missed God's best. God couldn't ever do this with me because I messed it up. There is nothing that God can't do if you'll get in the center of God's will. We watched that God reformed, reshaped the life of Abraham, Moses, David, P. 
Peter, the list could go on and on, folks. And we have to be careful to not get in that place where we feel like, well, I've messed it up. I've done something. I've done this. I failed here. I failed there. And so God's best for me is too late. It is never too late because the potter has the power to do what he wishes with the clay when we're in the center of his will. Not only does the potter have power, he also has a plan. He has a plan. One of the things that's fun to do if you ever watch a, a person create something on a potter's wheel is it's just a lump of clay. It's literally a chunk of mud. And all of us could be watching this person go to work and none of us have any idea what the potter's going to make. But the potter visualizes it before he ever gets started. He knows what he's making. He has a plan for your life. God has a plan for each one of us. And God's able to look at your life. He's able to look at my life. And he's able to say, there is something here that I'm going to take and I'm going to mold into this. And we can't see it, but he can. I thank God the potter had a plan for my life. I think about the, the mess that my life was, the lump of clay that none of us ever could have visualized God building into what God chose to build. I was a, you know, I was a criminal, convicted felon, about 16 years old. I had very little restraint in my life, and I began to make some really, really poor choices. Messed up on drugs, did about every possible you know, drug there was to do, started selling drugs when I was in high school, using needles by the time I'm 18. My life was so messed up. Several months ago, I showed my kids uh, my high school transcripts. I wanted them to see something about my senior year in high school. I missed 31 days of school. It shows it right on my transcripts. Absent, 31 days. It's more days than you can miss and pass. In our school, because of my drug problem, to kind of help with that and work around that, they hooked me up with a drug counselor, allowed me to meet with him during school hours at the school every other day for an hour and a half and gave me credits and made things work so that I could graduate. They wanted to see me graduate. I say that to say, I get out of high school, my life continues to spiral out of control, and at about 20 years old, I'm at a place where I'm just done with life. I don't want to live anymore. It's, it was the only life that I knew, and when I looked at the vision for my life, I saw myself as a 60-year-old loser still selling drugs in trailer parks, and I didn't want to be that guy. And here's the reality. Everybody else in my life that looked at what I was then never 
ever could have seen me what I am now. Because the potter has a plan for your life. And you might not be able to see it, and nobody else in your life can see it, but you have got to learn to trust God that he is the master potter. He has the power to change your life, and he has a plan for you. And if you'll trust him with his plan and allow him to work his work in your life, he can mold you and make you into somebody, into something that you could never, ever dream of on your own. The potter has a plan. He has a vision for you. We also see the potter has a message. You know the final thing that the potter does with the clay after he puts it through the fire? He, he puts the, 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 the piece of art, he does one of two things with it. He either puts it on display for everybody to see so they can see the great work of art, or he puts it to use for the thing that it was created for. And so the point is that when God's doing a work in our life, look, it is for us. God loves you. That's why he's doing a work in your life. But it's not just for us. God has a message that he wants the entire world to hear. He has a message that he wants the entire world to see when the world watches God's complete work in your life. You know why God saved me? Because he loves me. You know why God pulled me up out of the miry pit? Because he loved me, because he wanted to save me, because he's good, because he's God. God changed my life. He saved my soul from hell because God loves me. And that's why he'll save anybody else that'll ever be saved. However, I also recognize God had a message. My life has a message. Your life has a message. What God has done in my life sends a message to other people. And this is the awesome thing about God forming all of us differently, having a master plan for each of us, is that God has a message. So I asked the question this morning to you, what is the message God's trying to communicate through your life? Potter has the power. He's got a plan. He has a message. We see the ministry of the potter is to take something that's useless and make it useful. He said it was marred. Verse 4 says that the thing was marred in the potter's hands. It was ruined. And in the analogy of Jeremiah chapter 18, the reference was to Israel. And so Israel at one point in time, they were firing on all cylinders. They were following God. They were doing what God told them to do. God says, now, in this time, you guys have messed things up. And the truth is that we can. We can mar our own lives when we reject the will of God and become Spiritually speaking, in the grand scheme of eternity, we become useless. But the ministry of the potter is to take what is useless and rework it and shape it into something useful. 
What an incredible thought that God has a plan for every single person in this place to use us. God wants to use you. He takes what we are and he shapes it into something useful for his glory. Last thing I want to consider before getting to my final point is, you know, the potter to get the clay, he has to get down to where the clay is. He's got to get into the ditch with the clay in order to recover it. And when he goes to work, he has to stain his hands with the clay. And I'm reminded of just exactly how far God came down to pull us up out of the clay, out of the, the, the muck and the mire of sin that we were in. I'm reminded that Jesus left the splendor of heaven, sinless heaven, to come to this earth to be clothed in human flesh. And the Bible says this, to be tempted in all points like we are, yet without sin. I look at how low he came, born in a manger. I look at how stained his hands were by us. And I realize that our potter, he got down into the mud, brothers and sisters, of where we were to rescue us. There is absolutely no extent that God will not go to to save you this morning. There is no place, there is no pain that God would not suffer, there is no place that God would not go, there is no thing that God would not do to rescue you this morning and change your life. Jesus proved it at the cross. None of us could have ever imagined that Jesus would have did more or would have went as far as he did that God might be able to save us and rescue us. Final thing I want you to see is that the analogy takes this wild turn. You'll find that when God tries to give us spiritual truths with physical observations, the spiritual truths can always and only go so far. At the very end of the story, it's like this thing takes a wild turn. And we see that the clay has a response to the potter. Never does the clay speak back to the potter. Clay itself is just dead dirt. But we see that in reality, God created us to be flesh and blood, and we've got beating hearts, and we've got minds, and we have choice, and we have will. And God says this is where things change a little bit, because clay does what the potter wants it to do. He says, but here's how you respond. Look at verse 12. But they say, this is vain. We will follow our own plans, and we will everyone act according to the stubbornness of his evil heart. The clay has a response to the potter. I want to look at two possible responses. And I want to deal with the negative one first so that we can end on something positive today. The negative response, and unfortunately, the majority response, 
is to reject the potter's will. This is hyperbole, I'm convinced. When God says, they say, we're going to follow the stubbornness of our own evil hearts. This is just a guess. But I don't think those are the words they used. I think that was God's interpretation of the words they used. They probably said, oh, this is crazy. This is silly. Why would God do this? Why would God do that? It makes more sense to live life this way. God said, let me interpret what you're saying. What you're saying is that you're going to follow the stubbornness of your own heart. And God said, when I look at the response of the nation, this is the response of the nation. doesn't mean that every single individual that was the response, but generally speaking, when God looked at the nation, he said, here's what your response is. And the same is true today, but I ask the question, why? Why do we reject the will of God in our lives? Why do we resist God's loving hand? forming us into the men and women that he has designed us to be. What are we afraid of? What is it, are we afraid of, of not knowing what God's forming us into? Are we afraid of what we think we might miss out on if we let God have his way? I mean, I don't think there's a very simple answer. I don't think it's one thing. But what is it that keeps you? What is it that keeps us? What is it that keeps people from letting God have his complete, full will in our lives? We know that God is good. We know that his designs are perfect. We know that he has the power to form us into something great. We know that he has plans for what he wants us to be. What is it that keeps us from just saying, yes, God, have your way in my life? God says, if I was to put it in one term that kind of explains it all, the answer is the stubbornness of your evil heart. You're just stubborn. It's not that you don't know better. It's that you're stubborn. It's not that you don't understand the analogy. It's not even that you don't believe it's true. It's just that you're stubborn in your evil heart and you're not willing to surrender your will to God's and be pliable in his hands. So that is one possible response to the potter's wheel. And unfortunately, it is the majority response. But I want to leave us this morning with the positive reality. It's not the only response. And this is the incredible news. That it is possible to be pliable in the hands of God. And that... God can do anything that God wants. God can take any body that God wants. And what God has ever done, he can always do. What God has done for anybody in the past, he can do for you today. He is the same God yesterday, today, and forever. He is the potter who has the power to do as he pleases when we are willing to simply say yes to God. That is the incredible news. I look at what God has done in my life, and I'm going to tell you something. I'm not perfect. 
Nobody's perfect. The only perfect man that ever lived was Jesus. But I can say this with a true conscience and a clear heart right now before you in front of God. I have lived my life to be pliable in the hands of the potter. And when I got saved, I didn't argue with God. Again, I'm not perfect, and I'm not saying I'm sinless. I'm just telling you, I didn't argue with God. If God said no, the answer is no. I don't have to understand why. I don't have to understand why God says everything that God says. I don't have to understand the will of God in order to obey it. If God says, this is how you live, that's how you live. If God says, I'm going to form this in your life, then God gets to form that in your life. And what I have watched, I have watched God take what seemed like an impossible, hopeless situation in my life and mold me into somebody that he could use, not because I'm a great person, not because somehow I'm from a different batch of clay, but simply because I've made the decision, God, I don't, I don't have the right, you are God. I don't have the right to argue. I'm not gonna argue with you. Your will is supreme and whatever you say goes. And over the years, I have watched God take that heart, take that mentality and say, I'm gonna keep working and I'm gonna keep building. I'm gonna keep shaping and I'm gonna keep forming. And here's what I want you to hear this morning. It does not matter who you are. God can do the exact same thing for you. If he's done it for me, he can do it for you. If he's done it for anybody, he can do it for anybody. There is nothing that God can't do. Now that's important for you. If you're listening to me this morning, you're thinking to yourself like, wow, I, did, you know, I, don't, I just, I couldn't ever be used by God in this way. Stop it. Stop it. Get that speech out of your mind. Get those thoughts out of your heart. Who are you to say what God can and can't do? Who are you to say what God can and can't do with the clay that you are? You just need to be on the center of that potter's wheel and let God do what he's going to do and be okay with wherever it leads. Maybe you're a Christian this morning and you fall into that category, folks, that I've talked about. Like, you know you're saved. You don't doubt it. But there's still a part of you that feels like I could never, you know, plan A is gone. You've got to stop it. Maybe plan A is gone. Let me tell you something about us as people. As people, when we say plan A, we mean the best, and then plan B is like if the best thing doesn't happen. But God's able to take plan Z and make it better than plan A. He can do what he wants. So maybe you're here this morning as a Christian, and you need to hear it's time for you to quit kind of putting yourself in a category that God can't form into something great. You stop that. And you believe that God can do whatever God wants to do and that God has the power to change and God has the power to do whatever he needs in your life. And as our worship team comes, I want to encourage those of you that have friends, family, neighbors, maybe it's a husband, wife, children, parents, people that when you look at, you're broken for and you have began you begin to think to yourself, I mean, you might not even say these words out loud, but just be honest with yourself. You begin to think at times there's just no hope for them. Or like the best that they could possibly be is, is you know, sober. The best that they could ever possibly be is just a two steps above where they are and I would be satisfied. 
And in your heart, you've kind of given up on ever really believing that great transformation could occur. Hear the message of the potter's house this morning that it is never too late when somebody's in the hands of the potter. And we need to have a sense of praying for that miracle, for that person in our life that we've, we feel like there's no way. That young 20-year-old boy that looks like his life is so hopeless, he has no direction, he could never make it anywhere, God could never use anybody like that. The best we can hope for this boy is that he just don't end up in prison or dead. <laughs> there's nothing that God can't do. And I'm telling you, these people need us. If anybody, they need us to be praying for them and believing in them and leading them to the only one that has the power to change their life and speaking life to them and telling them it's never too late if you'll just come to Jesus. Man, God is so good. I was thinking, looking around this morning at lives. I thought about AJ, thought about Troy, thought about Kevin, thought about Branson. The list could go on and on and on. These are people I just know well that are close to me. So they come to my mind first. I've watched God over and over and over and over prove one thing. It's never too late. And it's never too late for God to do something great, fantastic, beyond our ability to even perceive. Like God, that, that's, that's, I'm telling you, the potter has a plan. We can't see it. But what he sees and what he's working on building is so magnificent beyond our ability to do it. And we just watch him do it and we're mind blown. It's like, wow, only you, God, only you could do this.